Yeah? Sad. I had a speech prepared for all my friends on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. To say that they're bozos who I don't need anymore because I've got a virtual pet that's also a shrimp. And it got reset in my pocket somehow, so I don't have my shrimp anymore. Oh no! You deserve a shrimp! Right? I gotta stay friends with all those fucking bozos in my social life. Fucking. Oh. So how many of them are virtual shrimps? D- how dare we not be virtual shrimps? Right? I've got this fucking sheep, because I-, I accidentally selected sheep. I don't want this fucking sheep. Uh, fucking die, sheep! I've now got a, I've got a spine on the inside rather than the outside. I don't have an exoskeleton. What good am I? Right, right. I was gonna abandon all my friends and family and loved ones and just live on an island with a small plastic egg with an LCD picture of a shrimp in it. Right. That was the life for me. That's my ideal life. Well, now now you're gonna have to put that off for at least another week and have friends for just like a little longer. Right. I bought this virtual pet. In WH Smith on the way down south, because um, Fee had come to visit you and Jane, and I was yeah. coming to visit my family, and it was just a virtual egg in WH Smith, and I thought for the for the good of the family unit, I will buy it and see if the kids would get along with it, and then I wouldn't give this one to them uh, because I wanted it. <laughs> I was excited because it had 168 pets available on it. You got shrimp on the first go. You can select your own animal. Ah. You see, I accidentally selected this sheep, but now I don't have a little pen or something to stick in the reset button. But there was a crab on the box. I got very excited about <gasps> that. Then I boot, I pulled the little plastic tab out of it and I was scrolling through and then I saw a shrimp and I thought, right, this is the best fucking thing I've ever seen in my goddamn bloody life. It's not. <laughs> but yeah. I had my speech prepared for that. I also had my speech of, of oh, well, you might have a very desirable handheld Laura that, that <laughs> I've been waiting ages for. Must be fucking nice, but I don't need it because I've got a virtual shrimp, and now I don't. I'm going to have to soothe myself with my wooden frog. Right, that's enough of that bollocks. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. I'm I'm very sorry you don't have a virtual shrimp anymore, yeah. and I apologise that I am going to be talking this week about my very desirable handheld that, that you don't have. I'm sorry. Yeah, it must be nice. It, it is pretty nice. I don't know when I keep. I've forgotten it exists now. It's been so ridiculously long. So did I. Covid manufacturing delays plus that when they got that first batch in and they had bad batteries and they had to start over. Not been ideal. No, not at all. But. It did just show up and it was... I I should probably say what it is. My Playdate arrived this week. That little yellow handheld with the little crank on the side of it. Yeah, I like it because it's yellow. It's yellow is a very pleasant yellow. Um... So for anyone who like doesn't know about this thing, the, the, the sort of sales pitch to it, other than it being a little handheld with a crank on it, is that there's, I think, 24 games that, that come when you buy it. But basically you get two when it first arrives, and then every Monday two more games show up on it. So you've got a little drip feed of of weird little games, some of which more or less use a crank to play them, uh, showing up on a tiny little handheld. And I've currently got four games, because it arrived late last week and then I've had my first Monday. I want to talk, talk about the, the, the assorted things I've been playing on this thing. So far, they've been largely successes. There's one that I'm there eh, on, but with any kind of um, anthology of, of things, you're going to get a little of that. So the first two games that showed up on it were Casual Birder and what was the other one called? Whitewater Wipeout. 
So of the two of them, one is a, is a bit more of a substantial video game, and one of them is a bit more focused on the crank. Casual Birder is a fairly in-depth RPG about being someone trying to win a a bird-watching competition by taking smartphone photos of birds. It's what if Pokemon, but you had to work out how to lure out little birds and take camera phone photos of them. It's a bit Pokemon Snap, right. but there's also a gang of roving bullies that are trying to trying to beat up anyone who tries to take better bird photos than them. The humor has been really on point with it. It's been it's been very charmingly written. A lot of really like really sweet character designs. It's one of the ones that uses the crank sort of less than a lot of the other games, but it it uses it for something fairly unobtrusive, which is basically for focusing when you're taking a picture. Uh is the primary use of it. Uh making sure your picture is in focus by sort of zooming in, zooming out. Uh it's also used for things like uh, managing your inventory. Your inventory is just a circle in the top of the screen. You turn the crank anytime you're not taking a photo, and it just cycles through until the thing you want's on your inventory. Um, works really well. It's really unobtrusive. It's a surprisingly in-depth little game with some really charming writing. Uh, the other one is very much the other end of the spectrum. It is a silly little crank-exclusive short play session nonsense game. It is a surfing game that is entirely powered with the crank by using the crank to angle yourself sort of as you're you're sort of going down the wave, getting speed, launching back up, and then in the air, trying to do a bunch of spins to earn points, but making sure that you're pointing the right way as you land back into the wave to sort of keep your your combo going. It took me a second to get used to. I had to sort of like get a feel for like what sort of speed I needed to be going at and like how to not like completely overdo it and way spin more than I needed to. Once I like I, I started playing it, it clicked really well. It is a really nice control scheme for a game like that, and I have gotten very into playing this short little bursts point scoring surfing game. The one I'm more interested to talk about is like the sec the, the second batch of games that showed up. There was a game called Crankin's Time Travel Adventure, which is a legitimately really interesting little puzzle game. It's very simple. You are a robot that keeps oversleeping and being late for a date you're meant to be on, and trying to get as quickly as you can to go on this date. The problem is, there are lots of obstacles between you and the person you're sprinting to try and get to as quick as you can. The game is entirely played with the crank, moving forward and backward in time throughout your running animation, in order to try and, like... I'm trying to think of a good example, so... Let's say there is a pig running towards you, and if that pig hits you, you're gonna lose. You could climb over a picnic table and very specifically stop cranking at a point where you are like leaping off the table and you're in the air, so the pig runs underneath you. There are elements that interact outside of your control of time that are just like obstacles, they're doing what they're gonna do. And you're like, oh no, no, that thing's coming towards me, quick, wind backwards so there's a flower, so I sniff down and smell the flowers and it goes over me winding yourself forward and back in this linear time loop. It is really simple conceptually, but it has like a lot of really creative ideas about how to make use of that mechanic. If you fail, restarting is really quick, and like I haven't minded too much if something a little bullshit happens going, jump right back in, get right back to that point, levels are really short. It's been really Moorish. I've been really enjoying that one. It is more so than anything else so far, the thing I've been, like, really into. 
Uh-huh. The only game on it so far that like hasn't been so much my thing is Boogie Loops. It is a very basic music production software. And when I say very basic, I mean like Mario Paint when you were like putting the things on the lines to make songs happen. And little animals dance along to the music. I, I've looked at it and gone... I, I guess it's neat that it's on here, but if I wanted to make music, I'd use something slightly more substantial than this. It hasn't really appealed to me. But so far, three of the four games I've had have been like really interesting little things that have made pretty good use of the weird form factor of the device. Yeah. So you're liking it as a system? Yeah, I'm yeah. liking it as a system. It is... A lot of the like UI design around it is very charming, and it's very clear a lot of love and passion's gone into how it's come together. The system is designed to be like, it's a little robot friend that you're hanging out with, and from things like when you, uh, you to unlock the system, you press the unlock button twice, each time opening one of the two eyes on the little robot, uh, it sort of wakes up from its little sleep, and there's a lot of little touches like that that feel like a lot of care went into them. It doesn't feel like a rushed product in terms of... It feels like a lot of thought went into making it a very simple, clean process to be using. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very charming, it feels well made. I'm very happy with it, and I'm looking forward to essentially the next three months of having a couple of little things to play every week that will be regular little things I can talk about on Podquisition. The, the pacing feels about right. I feel like two of these little games per week is going to be enough that for the next three months I'm going to have enough time to actually sit and play the things that I, I get on it, but not so much time that I'm lacking for things to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, considering all of the problems with getting the thing to actually arrive and receiving one, I'm really happy with it now it's here. As someone who likes having obtuse little little handhelds, I'm very enamoured with this this silly little handheld. But yeah, have either of you played anything else this week? Either of you played anything? Uh, I've played nothing this week at all. Um, it, I mean, I played Christmas with the in-laws, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I recommend. Um, you know, your experience may vary, I guess. It's all subjective. <laughs> but in terms of holiday, I would say, you know, holiday with in-laws 2023. Two is one of the one of the better yearly iterations on the formula. Um, yeah, yeah, it was good. Had a great time. Nice. I, I got a, a new onesie. It's pink and a triceratops. It <gasps> has a heart on the ass. It's great. That's adorable. That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. So it was. Yeah, we had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, but but video games no. Well, in that case, should we do that thing we do because it's the end of the year where we talk about the stuff that happened and the stuff that's gonna happen for like fifty minutes or so? Steph, did you play anything? I I didn't. I just sort of ran over you there. I well, actually, it's funny you should say that. It's funny you should uh, use that turn of phrase. Oh. Um, I'll just briefly touch on. We never got round to it last week. Um, but I played Choo Choo Charles. Mm. Oh, that's right. You'd mentioned that. Yeah. The uh horror game about a train with spider legs a train that very much wants to devour you yeah yes it's not it's not a good i like trains but that's not a nice train yeah so it's um a first person horror game that generated a lot of attention uh mostly because it's a train with a scary face and spider legs yeah of course it got attention you know footage of it had a lot of people assuming it was a joke game it's not a good game. 
I'm glad it exists. I am happy it's real. It's a good thing it's real. It's not a good game. So it's a first-person horror game, kind of cheap, like looks cheap. Mm. I'm not sure how deliberate it is, but like NPCs don't move off of a single static spot. Their mouths don't move. The gameplay is brief and incredibly simple. But the basic idea is you're on an island, you've got your own train to travel round and sort of a a big sort of train track sort of circles around the island with a few uh, junction points. Um, So you travel around the island, there's NPCs dotted about, they'll have missions for you, all of which will reward you with scrap. It's the only currency, it's the only anything in the game, Mm. aside from a couple of different weapons, only one of which is really all that useful. But you use scrap to upgrade your train's uh, defense, attack, and speed. You also need it to repair the train. The general idea is there are three mines dotted around the island. Each one has an egg in it. You need to get all three eggs, take them to a temple to create a ritual that will make Charlie killable for good. While you're exploring the island, and I say exploring in quotes because there really isn't much to the game, it is thread-fucking-bare, you will be attacked by Charles, uh, who will chase you. If you're on foot, you're dead. And death's a slap on the wrist, like you'll lose a negligible amount of scrap. And in fact, it's actually better if you're in the train and Charles does enough damage to you. It's actually better to just die and pay a little bit of scrap rather than fend him off and then repair it. In fact, the game's kind of undone a lot by by that almost need for exploitation because there are some human enemies as well. They've got masks and guns and this guy who runs the island is trying to protect the eggs. If they see you, and it's really not hard because there's no stealth mechanics. You can't, you've got no weaponry on foot and you've got no stealth mechanics. There's no crouching or sneaking. There is like peeking left to right behind corners, but you'll just be seen by these enemies who the only clue they're there is they whistle. You will get seen a lot and they will chase you forever. If you don't get on a train and fuck off, they will chase you across the entire map and always know where you are. Oh no. You can lure them to the back of the train and then shoot them with the gun intended for Charles. Alternatively, if you're spotted, and I did this a few times, you can just exit to the main menu and go back because they will forget where you were. So that's preferable again, although... Once again, depending on how far the train is and how much you want to fuck about, getting shot and paying the scrap might be better. But anyway, there are submissions, which, like I said, they uh, uh, reward scrap. Nonsense dialogue, over-the-top voice acting. Uh, The premise is very cute, but there ain't much to it. Yeah, I am glad it exists because it is so absurd, and I'm glad a lot of people are having fun with it. But it is one of them things where, yeah, I'm happy enough that I played it just to experience it, but... No one needs to. You. It's one of them games where you will get just as much out of it looking at it on YouTube. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I thought worthy of a mention because there's a lot of uh, excitement for that one. Or was. And I know like Casey Explosion, friend of the show, is big into it. So yeah, you if you if you like horror, really stupid horror, <laughs> um, and sort of trashy games, then this might be up your alley. Uh, I just was hoping for a bit more. Yeah. Uh, and that's your choo-choo, Charles. Other than that, Vampire Survivors on mobile, which I've had to stop because it's too hard to go back after unlocking so much, going back to no hyper mode and... I've, I've, 
I've finished redoing a playthrough of it. I've yeah. unlocked all the secrets and nice. done all the unlocks. You see, I want to skip just to that bit so I've got it on my phone, but the work, Laura, the work. There is that initial bit of work that you have to get over, but it, it gets there. Mm. It'd be nice if they could, like, output a seed of your current thing with a QR oh, code nice. that you could just scan in to update your mobile version. Yeah, that would be pleasant. That'd be real good. Yeah. Should we, should we talk about, about stuff that came out this year that we liked? Yeah. Just give everyone a reminder of what was nice this year. Because there was a lot of good games this year. There were a lot of nice games. There was a lot of stuff we had fun playing. Yeah. I'm looking through from the start of the year. Comrade, you might you might remember this one. This this year, Paparazzi came out. Yes, Paparazzi did come out. That was... Uh, I, I, I meant to put that on my list of ones from this year that I liked. And then... Uh, didn't, for a reason we'll get to in a minute, Paparazzi's delightful, just a super chill time. It really is. No expectations or stress inherent in it. You still feel like you're making progress if you do the things it tells you to, but you can just chill with good puppers, and they're everywhere. Yeah, that's a a, a fun one. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Best Pokemon game that came out this year. Yes. Was that this year? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was end of January. That was January 28th. Holy shit. Yeah. For all of the amount I'm probably going to long-term play more of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Pokemon Legends Arceus is a better game. If someone were to ask me today, I've not played Pokemon in a long time, where should I start? Pokemon Legends Arceus is where I would tell people to start. I really love the town you keep returning to with the little side quests. I think that they're adorable. I think the art style's really nice. It plays really quickly. It's just fun to be in that world, and I love so much about what it's trying to do, and I desperately hope that the Legends series is a series that continues and we get more of, because like we're at the point where we don't really need remakes of like, the 3DS Pokemon games yet. Like, like you know, sh sure, having them playable on a system that's more modern, but, like, d put that time into making more Arceus games. Let the Arceus team be in charge of everything you do. They're great. Yeah. 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 No argument from me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the first Pokemon game I have played in a long time, because I wasn't interested in continuing to do the same thing I always had it, and I mean that's why I have such fond memories of things like Pokemon Ranger. Yeah, which was not a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it at least showed some imagination. I desperately want the tick off all the lists to do the Pokedex completion to come back. I want it so much. I miss it. But this felt like something different from standard Pokemon, while still evoking all of those things. Um, and. If what is it? What's the current main line? I can't. I can't keep track. Uh, Scarlet and Violet. Scarlet and Violet. If Scarlet and Violet had fully capitalized on the ideas, you know, if their development cycle were even possible to do that, and it probably isn't, but if it had been such that Arceus introduced concepts and Scarlet Violet felt like the next step or just an extension of those instead of a step back, I would be playing it. Yeah, yeah, like, Scarlet and Violet, for all the amount of fun I am getting out of them, and how they are probably going to end up being my, like, most played games of a very long time, 
I recognize that they are two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Like, they are, for everything that they're doing that I appreciate, they are undoubtedly a worse overall game for the average person thinking of picking up Pokemon. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. It is unfortunate, but it is what it is. I did not realize Horizon Forbidden West was so early this year. Uh, that was that was that was in what January? No, fe- yeah, like February. I played that game start to finish, and my only real thought about it is it was more Horizon. Yeah, I, I that's why I skipped it. Yeah, I didn't finish the first one, and yeah, I I there I thought the first one was interesting, and it had some cool ideas, but I'm I. Anything with a big open world now at this point, I have to take a step back and think, do I really want to go here knowing that I will eventually, almost certainly abandon it? I played it and finished it and enjoyed it, but nothing about it was exciting. Right. Yeah. In in that way of it was exactly what I expected More Horizon to be. Well, something that I, uh, I want to make a point of mentioning, especially because it did come out so early in the year, um, as one of my favorites of the years, is Infernax. Ooh. This is the side-scroll platformer game that reminded me a lot of Simon's Quest, but with, you know, clearer intent. I'm feeling an itch to play it again, actually, just talking about it, because it's so effectively conveys the feel of a late 80s platformer, but without a lot of the control limitations that hold it back. It just feels very satisfying to play. There's a lot of uh, challenge in it, but once you get a handle on the mechanics or you figure out how to cheat it, uh, it gets to be satisfying in some other ways as well. Um, I really really dig infernax and if you like retro stuff and have not checked it out it is it should be high on your list it's it's great yeah oh a, ge- a game from the first couple of months of the year i know we all got very into elden ring well no i i played it for 5 minutes yeah sorry yeah you are right <laughs> well, I- <laughs> well Steph, i know you 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 got real deep into elden ring yeah it's one of the best games of the year yeah like, no question. Uh, it actually won a coveted Inquisition Award. That it did. Uh, I don't know if anyone heard about that. Uh, obviously, from software, were were very gracious about that. Um, you know, thanked me uh, in a speech until um, a little kid came along and said something <laughs> about Bill Clinton being a rabbi. But uh, oh wait, that was the Game Awards. Sorry, I always get the two confused because they're equal in integrity. Um, yeah, so Elden Ring, it's brilliant. It's uh, You mentioned Forbidden West earlier. In a Jimquisition earlier in the year, I contrasted Forbidden West with Elden Ring. Just to point out how like just being open world isn't enough anymore because you've got Elden Ring, which was so rich and densely packed. It wasn't just big. It wasn't just uh, square footage. Every... Area had something hidden to explore. Exploring felt worth it. It wasn't just bandit camps, you know? Repeated ad infinitum. I think the thing is that, like, I think back on Horizon Forbidden West and, like, my opinions on that game certainly aren't helped by playing Elden Ring so closely after it. Because, like, Forbidden West is a open-world game that feels like a linear game despite that. It is not built into being open-world. And linear games are great. I love linear games. 
Elden Ring feels like it's meant to be just... It, it's it's like the exploration aspects of Breath of the Wild. It's that sort of, you see a cool thing, go, there'll be a good reason to go wander around and dig around there. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that has a secret... A, a, an optional area that has a secret area with a secret area hiding behind it. Like, it's... It's not just nebulous content, it's deeply layered and well-structured. And so many open-world games, like, you compare, say, Dynasty Warriors 9 is my go-to example of, like, the most creatively lazy open-world there is, where they just have a few background environmental assets and just seem to throw them in randomly because who fucking cares? Yeah. Whereas this, like... It's not just an open world game with loads of open world shit flying about. Like, there are castles and fortresses and dungeons as richly and com- uh, complicatedly designed as anything in Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Um, so for those who want that itch scratched, it's got that as well. It's not just the From Software formula scattered around some big uh, empty plane. It's so considered in its design, and that's what I love about it. The number of, like, entire unique enemies and bosses and environments that can be completely and utterly missed, that are, they're there for you if you find them and stumble upon them, and if not, you might just never know you walked past them. And that willingness to create content that might be entirely missed and that's okay really lends to having a sense of discovery in a way that a lot of open world games don't because you are expected to see all of the things we made for you. You might see them in a different order, but we want you to see them all. Yeah, exactly. It's a game that almost, I won't say 100%, but in my experience as close to as, closer than any other game, always has something in a direction. You pick a direction, you go there, you see some little area, like a little side area by the beach, or something where if you were playing any other mainstream open world game, the most you'd expect to find is one of 500 collectibles. Whereas here, it's like, no, the the dungeons are the collectibles, basically. Like, they are that frequent uh, an experience. You're collecting... Like you're collecting experiences, not just like nebulous, pointless menu objects. Mm. Everything is worth exploring, and like you say, the sheer density of uh, and variety of bosses and and monsters and things. The average player rushing through, or not even rushing through, even picking their way carefully through, might never ever see. Yeah, there there are things in my 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 playthrough that I almost entirely missed, and then came back later and was like. Did I just walk past that entirely? Did I just not look that way? It is opulent in the the scope of just there's something everywhere, just go see what you find. Yeah. And it is it is a real masterpiece of a video game that. Yeah. Like can't disagree with a word of it. It is just brilliant. Uh what I want to give a, a nod that like I suspect a lot of people won't have thought about in a while, but genuinely one of my favourite games of the year, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Yeah. I absolutely loved Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, once you can mentally get past the slightly weirdness of the uh, not-quite-swallowing-large-objects mechanic, 
I really enjoy that game from a, like, it feels like it has very thoughtfully created level designs that make really good use of multiple sort of paths through them. I think that it does a really good job of translating 2D Kirby into 3D in a way that feels, at its core, very similar. I liked a lot of the new mechanics introduced, and I just really like a good Kirby game, and this got across what I wanted out of a Kirby game, which is, I don't want it to be ridiculously difficult, I want it to feel good to play, I want to have things I can unlock that make me feel powerful and cool, and then while I'm going through an adorable, colourful world, occasionally I'll just find out that like, oh, that, that sunflower's god or something, time to, time to, time to fight the heavens. <laughs> that, that kind of like weird, like, very Kirby narrative escalation of like, completely and utterly ramping up the, the stakes to the point that it feels almost platinum-esque by the end. I'm like, that's good. I had a really good time with that game. It, was just enough of a challenge to not feel like it wasn't posing a challenge, while I got to walk away feeling very powerful and like I'd had a very colourful, nice adventure. I really like Forgotten Land. I wish I liked it more than I did. Like, I adore Kirby. Yeah. I uh, was really looking forward to it. Um, it just didn't grab me very much. It's got some really nice ideas, but I just... I, just, I wish I could like it more than I did. Yeah, I, I know it was real hit and miss for, for people. Yeah, I didn't hate it. It was good enough. It just, I didn't fall in love with it like I do so many other Kirby games, which as a, a big Kirby fan was just a bit sad. I was sad for myself. That's unfortunate. Have either of you got another game you'd like to throw in? Well, it's something that I, you and I both got pretty deep into Laura's at uh, Power Wash Simulator. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, I love these sort of jobby simulator games, but they're not all created equal. Yeah. And Power Wash Simulator is pretty charming in its own special way because of this weird-ass story that it has woven <laughs> through your missions. Yes. It's it's a very relaxing experience as someone who has lost many hours to restoration YouTube. Have you ever mm. delved into restoration? Oh, yeah, oh my no, God. yeah. I mean, the, the minute someone's putting something into a sandblaster, I am I'm in. Yeah. I, I enjoy everything from like the big scale ones down to the like, I'm just going to take apart a, a, a gross old Game Boy and just get a toothbrush out and give it a good scrub. Mm-hmm. Like, mmm. Yeah. Love that stuff. And this scratches that same itch while also yeah. just being delightfully strange and uh, a lot of fun. I, so that's that's one that I would suggest people go back and check out if they they passed it by. It's It's not like all the other girls. <laughs> Um, a little nod for a, for a thing this year, um, I really, I really liked the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. I should play that, I haven't gotten around to it. I'm gonna stay vague for you, as you've not played it, but like, uh, this was a year where there was a couple of pieces of media I really enjoyed that all shared in common a sort of self-reflection on the process of creating when you've already created something very successful that people have very solid ideas about what you creating more should be. And I think that the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe does a very good job of exploring 
some of that space in a way that doesn't feel too... It doesn't feel thoughtless. I think it has some really interesting insights in amongst its silliness that I really sat with and, and thought stuck with me. And I, I, I think it is a very difficult task to do the kind of thing they did, and I think they pulled it off very well. It is not a huge amount of additional game, but it's the kind of thing that, having played the original Stanley Parable when it first released, feels like the right way to experience Ultra Deluxe. That big gap feels like the right way to come into that new content. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a really nice way of... Anything I would say would just be reiterating what you said. Um, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and obviously I have a very personal uh, appreciation for it because of them quoting my old review of it and using and actually contacting me to ask, uh, which I thought was very gracious of them, um, contacting me to ask about my name uh, post-transition. So they uh, listed me as James Stephanie Sterling, um, which I just thought was wonderful of them. Like it was just, it was just very touching. It was a very nice degree of thoughtfulness that I think definitely makes sense for a project that was doing what it was trying to do, and I'm glad that it went the way it did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyone else got a game to throw out? Well, I'm scrolling down the list, seeing what was this year. Well, uh, uh, there's the poop game, Cult of the Lamb. Indeed, the poo-poo game. Like, we, we all enjoyed that, I think. Yeah, that was such a satisfying game to stream, despite the initial technical issues with streaming it. <laughs> yeah, I never really got to fully avail myself of that. Um, it, it never quite worked in... Because I, I just barreled through that game. I played so much of it so quickly that by the time I was basically done, it was when they started getting it all working right. I had two playthroughs of that game going simultaneously so I could do one with chat, doing all the chat stuff, and also so I could just barrel along in my own time. Yeah. It's rare that I'm playing a game twice at the same time, but that game really got itself into me. Yeah. God, you're only just saying everything I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that game's full of shit. It is. And it's good. <laughs> yep. Yep. It It is, um, I, you know, I will say that it is diminishing returns. Yeah. Um, towards the tail end of the game, I think you, you've, you've probably picked a side of the gameplay that you focused on that you preferred to do, and then the other is going to. It might you might still enjoy it, but you maybe wish you were doing more of the other thing when all that's left to do is the one. But it's still very very fun and 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 entertaining, and it's. Deeply satisfying to, like, build your little community and, you know, um, name all of your followers after people that you know. And, uh, I mean, I had set up little quadrants of my <laughs> community based on the people that I knew and how they would live and interact together. And I kept, you know, like, bringing them back from the dead so they'd always be there. Um, it was deeply creepy, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> Um, just don't think about it that much. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know what? What, what this game you don't have to think about at all. What? Trombone Champ. Oh, Trombone Champ. That that was like a day and a half of very good fun. <laughs> I didn't play it. I forgot. 
Oh, you forgot to play Trombone Champ. I forgot it existed and then didn't play it. Oh. I think you should play it, Steph. I think it is your level of silly nonsense. I think I would. I think I would enjoy it. I just completely forgot it. Here's the thing. It, it's easy to completely forget because the conversation around it was so quickly here and gone. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Because it is one of those games that's just, you will sit down and then maybe one or two settings probably have done it and go, yep, I had a really good time doing that and I have nothing interesting to say about it that wouldn't be spoilers. I'm, I, that was a good time and it doesn't need to be any more than it was. It didn't outstay its welcome. But there does seem to be a bit of a, a memeing long tail to it. There is, there is a surprising amount of, like, custom tracks being made for it and stuff. And I'm still seeing ones that I haven't seen months later, which for something that feels very novelty flash in the pan, um, to see it still cropping up, and they're still updating it and adding things, and um, it's still a going concern, but it is a, a bit surprising the frequency with which I see Trombone Champ pop up on my social media feeds. Which I'm not complaining about. It that's a, a cheerful. It's always a cheerful thing, and some of them are stupid funny. There is a uh, Lincoln Park in the end yes. trombone champ that is so amazing. Just brought me tons of joy. Um, so whoever's doing those things needs to just keep that up. Yeah. Um, Conrad, did you play Card Shark this year? I did not. Was I the only one here who played Card Shark? I believe so, yeah. Okay, Card Shark, a game I am not good enough to complete, but I want to give a shout out here. Card Shark is a fascinating little video game, and I think I talked about this a little bit on Podquisition. It is a game about learning to cheat at cards. You play a a sort of uh, servant in in sort of historical France who is framed for their uh, their uh, lord's death and runs away with a with a charlatan to learn how to do all of the tricks involved in fleecing rich nobles out of all their money through uh, card tricks. And it is a really nice game that, like, very much is about, like, community and solidarity in the downtrodden and finding ways to go, look, these people have more money than sense, and we are literal peasants, they deserve to not have their money, and if we can find a way to get it out of them, it is our moral imperative to do to do so. I do not have the working memory this game requires to get to the end of. I would not recommend it for Steph. Um, but Conrad, if you haven't played it, I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, I remember you talking about it, and it's just one of those things. I was like, oh yeah, I should check that out, and then it just didn't happen. I will make sure I do. I got a good chunk of the way in, and when I couldn't get any further, I was like, that's fine. I recognize this is my limit. I had a great time with it, and I, more people should be talking about it, I think. I think it's a real special kind of game. Uh, Steph, you got any other games this year? I mean, there's the big one. Yeah? I wasn't sure um, where we wanted to put it. I mean, if you want to bring up the big one, yeah. Just... But... Was a little game I contributed just a little tiny bit to. Just a little bit. Just a little tiny bit. Just we actually bit. mentioned it earlier, of course. It was uh, Vampire Survivors, which oh. I mean, it's the biggest indie game of the year, basically. The sheer critical response yeah. and uh, the success of it has been just 
ridiculous. It is undeniably the game I have played the most of this year, I think. Uh, maybe maybe Pokemon ahead of it, but I looked at my uh, my Steam most played of the year. 51% of my, my Steam gaming time this year was Vampire Survivors. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, half of my PC gaming. I, I, I bought a Steam Deck this year. By far my most played Steam Deck game was Vampire Survivors. Yes. I mean, I called the Steam Deck multiple times on the podcast this year, the uh, Vampire Survivors machine. You were right to do so. Uh-huh. It ranked, I believe it still ranks every time Steam puts out like the most played Steam Deck games. I think almost the entire year, every month, has been Vampire Survivors, quite comfortably. It's such a well-suited game for, you know, that kind of handheld second screen format, but like... It is ju- it is a time sink, but it is a time sink that is so well parceled into manageable amounts of time with clear, easy points to put it down that I have lost so much time to it without ever getting into that, like, kind of obsessive loop that can sometimes be a bit distressing with a thing like this. Yeah. It is a masterpiece. It's so good. It's just enough of an investment in time to play around that you can stop in between rounds, yes. you know, without feeling that compulsion necessarily to immediately do another one if you have something else you should be doing, which is, I always appreciate in a game that is a very addictive gameplay loop. It, it, it is just the right amount of time to make me question, do I have time for another run? Um, and that's good. And of course, thanks to the time limit, you will know exactly if you have time for another run. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's never going to exceed this length of time. Well, it unless you are going specifically out of your way to ensure that that happens. In which case, well, then you know what you're doing. Yeah. I just double-checked. Uh, September, October, November, at the very least, um, Vampire Survivors was the most played Steam game, uh, Steam Deck game for those three months. Yeah. So at least the last three months. At least. Um, and I'm pretty sure I saw it more than once before then as well, but certainly the last three months. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously, of course, the, the, there's the bias involved, um, or the potential for bias involved, um, with the fact that I wrote a lot for it, you know, the best year and everything may not entirely be done, we'll see, which was just, you know, a huge, a huge thing, like getting to, to write for, like, the biggest indie game uh, is immense. And I, I was beaming about this long before that was a, a possibility because it is my favourite game this year. Whether I wrote for it or not, if I hadn't have done, it still would have been my most played, still would have been my favourite. And in a year with Elden Ring, that really fucking says something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a real, real good video game, that. It's a real good video game. <sighs> Uh, what else came out this year? Oh, I want to give a shout to this one. Boss game? The final boss is my heart? Oh, yeah. That, that, that music rhythm mobile game that I talked about a couple of months ago, similar in vibe to something like The World Ends With You, where you're sort of micromanaging two characters at once, but it's, uh, very basically attack or block per side of the screen for the two characters you're controlling. Big boss rush with lesbian trans uh, protagonists that game is fantastic i played it through start to finish it is right up there like one of the most enjoyable mobile games i've ever played mm-hmm. 
if Vampire Survivors hadn't just come out and been a perfect fit for mobile, I probably would have said my favorite ever mobile game. It's right up there with like, I the, like the only other one that like jumps to mind is like Florence that I played a few years back. But boss game feels very very well designed for mobile as a platform. It is very charming. It's very silly. It is just the right amount of very challenging boss fight, but not too long and very quick to restart. That feels so good for mobile. It is a crime that more people aren't talking about it. Go go check out Boss Game. It's really good. Another one I forgot. Like, you recommended it to me. I remember you messaging me, and I completely forgot. Yeah. I, it's why I'm bringing it up now. I'm like, I, I feel like folks who are listening to this who heard me talk about it and didn't check it out, I'm going to try one more time. Go check out Boss Game. It is a really neat little game. It's well worth checking out. I'm seeing if there's anything else th- this year. Did anyone else have anything else ready to go that they played this year they wanted to talk about? Well, there is there's one other thing that I, I really would like to make sure doesn't fly under radars of people who like either uh, business sims or retro mm. arcade games, uh, and that's Arcade Paradise. I truly, truly love this game. You are operating an arcade surreptitiously in the back of your dad's laundromat that he gives you to manage. Uh, It has a really good gameplay loop of starting the day, performing tasks, maximizing your efficiency, figuring out what machines to buy, setting them up to, uh, you know, profit at their maximum potential. You you have to play the games to get that built up, and there's just all the elements work together in a really satisfying way. The progression just feels delightful. The games themselves are almost all fun. Uh, even the ones that you know it's like don't necessarily interest me are well designed examples of very basic arcade games. It's just neat. It's got some great music throughout it. It has a fun story that I found to be really satisfying. It's good. I have it's one of those games that hits so many of my buttons personally hmm. that I I have to wonder, you know, was it designed just for me? Uh I don't know, <laughs> but I do think everyone should should give it a shot if uh, either business sims or retro arcade games appeal to you. Yeah. Uh, Steph, have you got any you want to you wanna mention? Uh, well, I'll give just a quick shout out to uh, one of the uh, other games I mentioned on the Jimquisition Awards because it is uh, very not talked about, and that's Franken, the yeah. uh, free RPG um, that I played on Itch. Uh, completely free. Has the battle star? Uh, not uh, the Blake Seven theme in it, which made me fucking crease up. Um, just a very funny, silly little RPG that's very much in that Undertale vein, but a bit more to the point about it. Really, very guided. You're not grinding. You're not getting into um, sort of anything optional. It's very linear in that way. You will be at the exact level you need for the exact fight that will possibly play itself for you for the purposes of a joke. And it's worth it, because it is just a very, very charming, dorky little game. Uh, And it's, you know, like I say, it's free on itch. It's worth checking out. If you like Undertale, if you like sort of 
games that poke fun at games like compared to high on life like (laughs) it's an hour long it gets to the point and it has so much fun with the medium of games and the genre it's lampooning like if you want what high on life tried to be in terms of humor franken's an hour long and a lot less obnoxious I finally got around to playing it because you reminded me it existed in your uh, end of end of year video, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a really good use of just an hour. I had a couple of other little ones I want to give some 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 little notes to. Uh, not necessarily for either of you, but like one of my favorite things I played this year was We Are OFK, and I say the word play there with. The the caveat that there is very little ge- gameplay in this five-episode, essentially mildly interactive TV show with very little going on in the way of actually branching what's happening, most of the gameplay limited to these, like, really cute little interactive music videos at the end of, of, of um, episodes, but it is a really nice exercise in storytelling with some really endearing characters that I, I grew to be very attached to. Uh, narratively, I think it is fantastic. It tells a really good story with just a little dash of intera- like that Sayonara Wild Hearts-esque interactive music video just frequently enough to really emotionally tie in what is going on in the plot and to give a little bit of gameplay, and then to get back to just telling a story. It is not a video game in the traditional sense most of the time, but it is one of the best experiences I had with a video game this year. It is beautiful. Uh, the five tracks uh, from the five episodes I have on my my music collection on my phone. I listen to them regularly. They are genuinely really good pieces of music. I also wanted to give a little nod to Wayward Strand, a game that... It's got it's got bugs, it's got problems. Don't quit out of a chapter halfway through because at least last time I checked, there is no saving midway through these sort of hour-long uh, in-game days, which is less than ideal. But it is another really interesting game in, in uh, narrative exploration. You are a young child spending three days in a retirement home. Things are happening around you. Time is going on. There is no stated goal. Who do you want to spend time with, and what do you spend that time with them doing? And there is no way to be everywhere at once and seeing everything that's going on. It is just about doing the most you can with the time you have, trying to do some good. And it is heartwarming and heartbreaking in equal measure. It is a fantastic little slice of narrative. Did you have any others, Conrad, you wanted to mention? Um, I mean... Nobody Saves the World, was that this year? Uh, that might have been this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, that January, wow. Wow. Wow, right there, yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked, I liked this. I thought it was, uh, pretty fun, if, uh, a little long for what it was. Mm. But I, I, I liked the mechanic of, you know, having the right creature for the right situation and utilizing those to their best effect. I liked the sort of uh, punishments that would get applied uh, in the deeper levels that forced you to think about those in different ways. It, I thought it was a pretty clever little game uh, that was, was fun to play and, and, and fun to experiment with. And I'm, I'm glad I played it. It's, it's worth checking out if you, if you get the opportunity. 
And then the only other thing I would say is, is uh, you know, God, I played a lot of Satisfactory this year. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, that might even beat out Vampire Survivors for me, which is uh, significant. Let me see. Did I do more? I did. I mean, my numbers are never really. Oh, God. Uh, my numbers are never fully accurate because I have a tendency to leave things running for periods of time. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I have 226 hours in Vampire Survivors. Fucking hell. Yeah. I have 478 in Satisfactory. Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, that's like that's like me playing Pokemon numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I went and you know seeing the name on my list and looking at it, I'm thinking to myself, oh. I don't know if I want to have to go back into, you know, where I was, but I could start over. <laughs> so, yeah, my my wife's now going to think that she's lost me to the factory again, I think, for a while. <laughs> uh, what about you, Steph? Anything else this year? Uh, well, God of War Ragnarok was very good. People, people have said that. Yeah. A lot of people were surprised I didn't have it on my awards, um, but it is very good. Another one that just is very densely packed. Uh, sometimes a bit too much, but it's, there's a lot of fucking game in there. And most of it, well, all of it is high quality. It's just to the point where sometimes you're like, hurry the fuck up. Get on with the, <laughs> get on with the meat of the game instead of giving me this admittedly well done shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, like just, just, yeah, fucking top quality, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other two nods I want to very quickly give, caveat for this one, As Dusk Falls, uh, the caveat being I did some mock review work for this game like a year before it released, so uh, I, I was paid to say what I thought of the game away before it released, and therefore caveats. I really like As Dusk Falls. In the genre of, like, choose-your-own-adventure narrative-y titles... I think that this does a really good job of standing out and doing its own thing. The art style, while I wasn't convinced ahead of release, upon playing it, it really worked. I have some really big praise for this game, uh, largely around some of its accessibility stuff. So, As Dusk Falls does a thing that I've wanted narrative adventure games like this to do for ages, which is to read out what the choices are and what buttons you have to press to progress. Because this narrative adventure game doesn't have third-person walking around segments, it is entirely possible to play start to finish by players who, ha who are not able to see the game at all. A thing that feels really achievable for so many games in this genre. And there is still room that could be done to, to progress and grow with a game like As Dusk Falls, but purely by reading what the dialogue choices are and giving options for have extra time to make those choices, or have uh, uh, quick time events always been the same button to press, and have audio cues to tell you when one needs to be, or if a quick time event is a swipe, a voice telling you what direction to swipe, is a thing I've been begging for with, with these kind of choice-based adventure games. I think they are the place that the video game industry has the easiest opportunity to really step forward in accessibility uh, in that regard. And it's really nice to see Asdust 4 make an effort on that. That continues to things like if you're doing online co-op playing through the story, you can have text-to-speech and speech-to-text to have other ways of communicating with the other player uh, for if someone is deaf or blind. All of this is layered on top of a story that I think is like genuinely really emotionally engaging. 
is respectful of things like content warnings. It is a lot of the things I want this genre to be doing. Mm-hmm. Wrapped around a good story. And I'm really glad... I'm really glad that a bunch of people that left fucking David, David Cage's Quantic Dream went and made a story that wasn't creepy and, and gross in any way away from David Cage. And the only other one I wanted to nod, and I, I'm not going to go into huge depth on this, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Despite the fact that I am going to be critical of the fact that it is a very slow start, it takes like 15 hours to get going. Fucking hell. Yeah, 15 <laughs> hours in, you are barely getting to the actual story and the tutorial's ending. It is not a quick start, and I'm not saying it is a well-made game in that regard, but I really fucking loved Xenoblade 3 when it got going. Despite taking forever to explain its own fucking mechanics, I think it has one of the most satisfying combat systems that series has, has ever seen. I really enjoy it. I think that it it do, it does something that I wish more RPGs did, which is... All of the side quests you do feel like they are building towards the actual end point of the game. It is a game about going to a lot of different places and having to work very hard to deal with the situations they are having. And then all of the little side quests feel like they are building up to we are building a force and an army and we cannot do this alone. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of video games that I've played that try and do that, like, we can't do this alone, we need everyone mentality. But all too often it feels like when you get to the final battle, it's still just your tiny little group of people, they actually did it and no one else helped. Xenoblade 3, I got to the end of that game and I felt like every hour I'd put into doing little side quests felt like it had come together. And like it had become something bigger than the sum, some of its parts. And that really stuck with me, and I really enjoyed how that game came together. Yeah, I think that's everything that I have from this year. Does anyone else have anything else, or are we, we, we good on those? I think I'm good on all the big ones. Yeah. Well, in that case, did, did we want to talk about next year, or do we want to just call it a wrap? Because we've done an hour and it's the holidays. Yeah. Finish up. I guess. Is there anything in particular you are looking forward to, either of you, for next year? Anything in particular that grabs you? Obviously, we're all excited about Hogwarts Legacy because we're massive <laughs> J.K. Rowling fans on this oh, show. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, look for for me, it's uh, what's it called? Tears of the Kingdom, the Breath of the Wild sequel. Of course, that's the big one for me. I, I am very excited for more of that. Oh, I am going to have to finish building my bunker by May. <laughs> well, I mean, look, maybe they'll have taken out the weapon durability and the rain this time. If they take that, if they took, if I'm not saying they will, and they probably will keep it, but if they took out the weapon durability, I would, I would dine off of that. The nourishment, I, w- oh. I would eat out on that. For months. Yes, because then you'd just be able to turn around and go, Nintendo says I was right. Right? <laughs> Nintendo said I was right. <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty interested in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the game. Mm. Oh, yes. I think it's going to be along that uh, Friday the 13th, Evil Dead, sort of those multiplayer things. Yeah, well, it's it's a similar, like at least there's been, there's some crossover from the Friday the 13th team there, and I can't recall. Right, yeah. But that film is, it's a really good, sh- like, like silly horror film. I think 
compared to some of these other ones, it's a better candidate for a video game. Yeah. Oh, quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. Especially with the multiple clowns. So it's not just like yeah. one overall enemy. One would assume. I guess we'll have to see. But yeah, and, and, and you know, so long as the theme tune's in it, it's going to have something going for mm-hmm. it. So long as it's got the Killer Clown theme tune. Uh, Alan Wake 2 is allegedly next year. Oh, yeah. I am. That's a big, big one for me next year. Mm. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. I, I mean, I just my wife just finished playing uh, the original Alan Wake um, at my insistence and loved it. And I am super keen to see where they decide to take this next, especially with control having been such an enjoyable experience for me personally yeah i'm very ready for more alan wake and and looking forward to it yeah i'm 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 looking forward to pikmin 4 mm yeah that's another sequel that i'd like to see yeah it's been a while since a proper pikmin and like i i have no 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 reason to be excited about it other than i've never not enjoyed a pikmin i'll just sit and play around with it and have a harmless charming time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'll have more of that i also i'm really excited for the resident evil 4 remake also Ooh. yeah tentatively yeah i mean they can't ruin the first one they can't ruin the original release for me and lord knows i bought it like four times on various platforms yeah. so i and it's probably my favorite in the in the franchise. Village has the you know the goods, and God, I if they can do for this remake what they've done for the other remakes in terms of making them feel modern and interesting, I am so excited for it. I just want them to still feel a little bit silly and exaggerated. I don't want them to play it too serious. Yeah. I don't think that they possibly can. That that Napoleon kid's in there. What are you buying? I mean, come on. Yeah, just just keep it silly, and I will. I'm sure I'll have a great time. I mean, that really that that's the remit of Resident Evil is camp. Like a lot of people think about the horror, but you look at the series all across. It isn't just so camp infused that I, I I think it would be denying what Resident Evil is to try and and not. I agree. Oh, oh I've got one I'm excited about. I didn't realize uh, how how soon it was. Um, yeah, coming out in February. Uh, like a Dragon Ishin, which uh, Like a Dragon is the new series name for Yakuza. Oh, uh, it was the Japanese series name before, and they're just moving ahead with it now. Uh, this is the Yakuza game set in the distant past. This is the like feudal Japan Yakuza game. All right. And I am I am excited for an excuse to play a Yakuza game that doesn't have the baggage of eight other Yakuza games. It's why I got really into into Like a Dragon, the turn-based RPG one, uh, for all of its problems. I like Yakuza as a series, and I'm excited to have an excuse to just play one where you have a basic pistol and a sword and your fists. Yep, nothing wrong with that. Uh, very quickly, the Advanced Wars remakes are allegedly coming next year, the ones that have been finished since last year and Nintendo put on indefinite hold. That'd be nice to see. That'd be nice. Are we far enough away from war being imminently happening that Nintendo will release it? Who the fuck knows? Hard to say. 
We all, well, I mean, we always seem to be on the verge of it somewhere. But speaking of that sort of stuff, I, I, I might actually pick up Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection when it comes out. Ooh. I have played a couple of those and really liked them, um, but just didn't bother to go back through. And I, yeah, it may be time to, to venture into that because, you know, I've stayed out of the card collector, you know, thing for the most part. But I think that that one, I recall that being manageable for me, and I might I might dive back in when that comes along too. I'm excited for Street Fighter Six. Yeah? I am excited to play a Street Fighter with uh, a control mode that doesn't require me to do quarter circle inputs or remember combo strings, but allows me to play competent Street Fighter. God, I am looking forward to the possibility of a Street Fighter I can actually play. Because I love fighting games despite my own inability to play them very well. I enjoy them a lot. Having played like an hour with this control scheme, I was like, oh, this is this is so much more approachable. Thank goodness I want to play fighting games again. I, I am very... I'm feeling really hopeful about 6. Yeah. I hope so. I hope it'll be good. Yeah. Um, Dead Island 2 is finally, allegedly, coming out next year. <laughs> next year. <laughs> We will see. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm gonna play it. I, I wouldn't say I'm like excited, but I need to play this. I'm gonna play it the second it's out. Yeah, I like that they seem to be in the, embracing the silliness that that uh, first Dead Island two trailer promised with mm. the. You remember the the marathon runner? Yeah. Or, or the the jogger, basically, um, which is very over the top and had that the bomb song on it. Um, and the few traders we've seen since uh, do hint or suggest that it's going to have that sort of... It's just going to Im- indulge in silliness, which is a good move for that series, especially to help d- uh, differentiate it from Dying Light. Yeah. Uh, which has gotten so serious it's come around to really fucking boring. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but that doesn't mean I think it'll be great. I'm looking forward to it because it's been so long and I need to see what the result is. Yeah. Um. In terms of ones I don't know whether will be good, but I'm deathly fascinated to find out about. Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two Reunion. I am so fucking curious about what that will be and what choices will be made with it. I am deeply curious. I I I will play it. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully, I, I I don't have a PS5, and I'm not sure if they're doing a PS4 release for it. Probably not at this point. So I might have to wait six months for them to put it out on PC, or I don't know. Maybe this is well. Final Fantasy 16 is coming out too, and Linda has already said, you know, is already starting to think about how we'll ever save up enough money in time to get that for Final Fantasy 16 to release. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, I guess that'll happen. I am certain I will mechanically enjoy it, and I'm honestly, I've come around to being very excited to see what on earth they're gonna do. I am fascinated by the the decisions that they have made to pursue this narrative that they seem to be on. I'm curious how hard they commit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want them to commit so hard that I like I want I want it to be laughable how hard they commit to it. Hmm. I want them to go all in or not try. Yep. Um let's see. 
Tesla Grad's getting a sequel next year. Ooh. I really liked that as a, you know, indie platformer with some some cool electro electronic mechanics. Uh neat, neat game. There's another one, another indie coming out. This is uh from the developers of Gato Roboto. Ooh. Yeah, this is called Gunbrella. Oh yes, I've seen trailers for this. Yeah, there's a real cool trailer for it, and it looks neat. You have an umbrella for gliding, and it also functions as a shield in gunplay, and it also functions as a gun. Neat idea. The visuals are very cute. I'm I'm quite excited to see how this turns out. I liked Gato Roboto a lot. Good for this. Yeah, I'm down. I, I think the only other one on the list for me, uh, and this feels like a like a very easy, I will have a good time with this, uh, not big surprise thing, the the, the new Marvel Spider-Man, the PlayStation Spider-Man. We're, we're getting the, 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 the proper big sequel to that next year. I very much enjoyed the original game and Miles Morales. Give me more of that. Mm. Uh, since we're in Disney territory, um, I'm also... Curious to see, there's a new Tron game coming out next year. Is there? Yes, Tron Identity. Oh. And I wouldn't care, necessarily, although I do like the Tron universe, but it's uh, Mike Bithel. Oh! Is working on this. I somehow had no idea about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a detective story, huh? Yeah, so I, I'm very interested to see i mean i'm always down to see what mike biffle does and uh even if it's not always a hundred percent my jam i'm always interested by his stuff he's never made a thing that i didn't think was interesting yep yep um let's see other weird stuff there's apparently a uh robocop game coming out next year okay uh with peter weller okay i had no idea this was coming robocop rogue city i did not know this, but hello. Yeah. I'm looking this up now. There are... Yeah. Okay. There is there is a gameplay reveal, it seems. How did I not see this? I love Robocop. Five months ago. Yeah. It just slipped in under the radar. Okay, it seems like a sort of tactical... Uh, tactical strategy game, sort of? Maybe. Maybe I'm trying to tell from this trailer. Maybe it's the maybe it's third person action. Maybe it's top down tactical strategy. I'm not entirely sure. It's a franchise that doesn't get enough love. It's also a franchise that doesn't get interpreted well in in you know adaptation or or really popular culture. But I mean, it's looking like a first person shooter. I I think you're right. I was looking at some angles from a from a bit, and now I'm looking at this going, yeah, that's probably first person shooter. It's just shoot some punks. With the fucking, the, the fucking 80s animation overlay yeah. as well. I love it. I, okay, I, I could be on board for this. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I am into this. Um, and then uh, one more movie adaptation, uh, along with the Killer Clowns from Outer Space, we're supposed to get a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game this year, this coming year, which I didn't know was coming. Which one's this? What's it called? It's called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I didn't know this one either. Yeah. Fucking hell. Okay. Um, yeah, no, the Sumo Digital. Yeah, that is a new one. Yep. There is a gameplay trailer. There's hands-on preview footage of it. Yep. 
I don't know how we missed it. You know how we missed it? Because of fucking overload from too many indie, like too many presentations all the time. To be fair, but this is going to be another one of those asymmetrical multiplayer games, similar to the others. But the the characters in Texas Chainsaw are so creepy and weird that uh, you could have some real fun with that, especially if you want to continue to expand into the later really bad films. Oh, this trailer looks kind of janky and I'm excited. Yep. Yep. Has a lot of potential. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm curious to say the least, even though it's not my bag uh, gameplay wise. Really interested to see what people think of it. Look at that. Some stuff to be vaguely excited about. Look at us go. Right? Yeah. Feeling positive about video games we might play. They said it couldn't be done. And I'll play Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2 also. Oh, yes. That is one of the best 7 out of 10 experiences you can have. Yeah. Uh, the original. One of the few people that really got into the multiplayer for like two weeks. Uh <laughs> Like anyone who played it, I think. Uh, but yeah, I'm very up for it. I like the Tyranids being the enemies. Mm -hmm. I find that interesting. I'm sure at some point it will be chaos again. But I do like the, the, the yeah, just the, the general vibe of it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, look at us being positive and hopeful. Look at us liking stuff. Yeah, well, we haven't heard anything about how any of these things have been developed yet. That's so. true. Because yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring up Atomic Heart, but I think I've heard uh, some stuff about that. Yeah. I was also thinking Atomic Heart looked pretty interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's leave that for next week. Yeah. Or after. That's not that's not this week. This week is we like video games. Yeah. Sometimes. Let's end the year hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. God, there are kids running around. There are kids scuttling in the house. Cryptids. <laughs> have to deal with them. Uh, deal with them and bury this Tamagotchi like they said children did in the 90s. So is there anything else? No, no, that's, that's it. it. This is the bit where usually like you you sort of throw it over to me. So I, I was I was I was I was gonna throw it out. I normally throw it open. Sorry, my at attention has been so divided. <laughs> that's all right. I was like, I don't want to be rude by throwing it elsewhere. Oh no, no problem. But other people, their attention is desperate to be focused on something, Laura, and you might have the goods in that regard. I mean, I might just do. Uh, Go to Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. I recently did a accessibility-focused Game of the Year awards video that's like half an hour long, talking about a bunch of accessibility stuff that was really cool this year. If you haven't watched any of my other accessibility-related stuff, go watch that one video. That's half an hour that's going to tell you some really cool stuff that happened that you can feel positive and, and like, oh yeah, the industry's doing all right. Other than that, just as ever, Patreon, chuck a, a dollar a month there if you can. That's what makes the lights stay on. Uh, Conrad, what about you? Oh, well, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to me on Let's Talk About Snacks. That's a fun podcast. You can hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon as well. That's patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> James Stephanie Sterling. Aye, aye. 
That's true. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition that supports this and the Jimquisition show and video game reviews. My current wrestling date, well, she's also said I stream. It's been, a, again, a reduced schedule because of fucking real life, uh, but I stream at twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Uh, current confirmed wrestling dates. Uh, my last wrestling match of the year is this Friday, Friday the 30th. You've got a day to get there if if you listen to this when it goes up. Uh, I will be tagging with Priscilla for True Grit Wrestling in Sheffield. That's this Friday the 30th at the PPW facility where we do Spectrum. Uh, news on that coming soon. Uh, my next scheduled date is uh, after that is February the 5th. Uh, for Sovereign Pro Wrestling in Manchester, Commander Sterling versus Shreddy, and then March 17th and 18th in Blackpool for PCW. Uh, I've entered the PCW Road to Glory Women's Tournament. So very excited about that. We will have other dates. Um, I mean, yeah, we will have other dates coming soon. I think that's everything. Thank you all so much. Uh, I'm off to bury a Tamagotchi and tame some cryptids. Uh, and that's how I'm going to see out my new year, my old year. You see out the old year, you bring in the new year, which we will have done by the time we see you. Thank you so much for your support this past year uh, and every single week. And we will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.